Welcome back to the Red Dice Diaries. I'm your host, John, and in today's episode, we're going to talk about the potential benefits of a humanocentric RPG campaign. Okay, so before we get started, what do I mean by a humanocentric RPG campaign? Well, for the purposes of this episode, I'm talking about a campaign where the player characters are by and large all humans. Nowadays, especially if you play more modern versions of D&D, you're used to having a panoply of different options when it comes to species, race, however you want to refer to it of your player characters everything from tieflings to dragonborn to the old favorites are half orcs elves dwarves and the like so you might think well what possible advantage could there be to having a campaign where you just play humans isn't that just restricting your options somewhat and yes i suppose in a certain sense of the word it is but also by restricting your options it sort of narrows the focus of that campaign and that can be a good thing depending on the campaign world and whether you're looking to have a sort of laser focus on a particular aspect of your campaign for instance if you want to run a game set in a sort of fantasized dndized if that's even a word version of actual medieval times well then you're probably not going to have elves and dwarves etc running around you certainly could do you could change it to take those races into account you could maybe bring in a bit of period mythology but having those races there as a sort of known factor and a sort of general populace mixing with people is going to dramatically change the sort of standard setting and if you don't take that into account it sort of strains belief a little bit when you're trying to run your campaign however just because you're only having humans as the player races doesn't mean you necessarily have to have a, a lack of variety after all i've seen a number of variants of DD where sort of different regions of a campaign world i've had like an associated skill or attribute spread with them so if you're playing a human from one area you will be different from a human from another area. And I've seen this in like Burning Wheel as well and various other RPGs. And in effect, all they're doing in that is they're replacing the, the races, the elves, the dwarves, etc., with still really effectively different races, but they're all humans just with different regional variations. And that can work pretty well. And if you tie those regional variations into specific areas of your campaign world, it can add a lot of flavor. For instance, in the Burning Wheel game I'm playing at the minute that Johannes is running, the three current main characters all come from a city called Riathil. And people from there are known for their sort of like the architectural knowledge because their city is so ancient and has all these incredibly old buildings. So everyone from that town gets a certain sort of low level of skill and ability related to like architectural works and stuff like that, which really ties together people from the same area and creates a sort of believable character for people from a certain area and we see this in the real world when you look around all the time i mean now there's a certain amount of stereotyping involved in this but we all know certain like national characteristics real or false that are associated with different peoples around the world and obviously in real life you know that can be potentially a, a problematic thing but in a role play game when you're talking about fictional 
sort of areas and fictional peoples, that can be a really useful hook for the players to grab onto to instantly identify people. So let's say, for instance, you have a, a province or a, a kingdom in your game where when someone comes of age, they gain sort of fanciful tattoos that cover their entire upper body. And the player characters find out about this tradition. If they're now wandering through another town and they see a guy sort of stripped bare to the chest, covered in all these tattoos, they might be like, oh, well, we think he's probably from this place, but like, this is well away from his home. What's going on here? And it creates an additional level of interest straight from the get-go. Another advantage of humanocentric campaigns is that, by and large, I would hope, we're all human, those of us who are playing in the games. So it makes it easier for us to relate to the characters that we're going to be playing in the game. Now, of course, they're still in a fantasy world. They're still sort of fantasy versions of humanity from different areas that we don't know. So you still need to use your imagination, but there's just one less thing for you to get in the way. And how many times have you seen someone playing an elf that's effectively just a human with pointy ears or a dwarf that's just a human with a beard who likes ale and digging for rocks? How many times have you seen that in a game? If we remove the additional sort of race or species, it's one less impediment or one less hurdle that the player has to get over to really get into the groove of playing their character. Also, by having demi-humans and non-humans, whatever you want to call them, as NPCs, as monster races in inverted commas, you can build up more of a sort of level of mystery and uncertainty about these non-human races. Also, you kind of don't need to worry about balance with them. So, for example, if you if you have elves and dwarves and half-orcs and whatever, they need to be relatable to the players of the game. So they tend to be sort of humanised to a certain extent. And even things like tieflings and whatever, you know, you're like, oh yeah, they've got demon blood, they've got horns, but let's face it, pretty much they're just slightly dodgy people. But if these races don't exist as playable races, they're there as NPCs, antagonists, monsters, etc. You can really sort of go all out in trying to make these species seem more alien and more distant from humanity. Also, as I said earlier, you don't need to worry about game balance. Now, this varies from edition to edition when it comes to D&D, how much of an F they give about game balance, but whether you're using race as class or whether race and class are separate, there's a certain amount of balancing that tends to go on to make sure that, you know, you get a roughly sort of even spread of abilities regardless of what race and or class you are playing. Whereas again, if you are dealing with these non-humans purely as monsters and NPCs, you don't need to worry about that so much. So you want all elves to be sentient plant creatures in your campaign? Great, go for it. You want them to be able to summon trees and uh, summon shambling mounds to fight for them because of their link with plants? Great, go for it. You want all dwarves to be made of different types of stones and minerals. You want them to be able to travel through the earth, burrowing through it almost effortlessly or swimming through it due to their kinship with the stone. Go for it. Now, if you're trying to do this for a player character race or class it'd be a nightmare you'd have to try and work out how to balance it and stuff like that and how it was going to affect your game whereas when it's an npc the only thing you really need to worry about is does it seem cool and thematic 
and all the player characters and yourself going to enjoy it because they are completely under your control. It also gives the player characters something to try and figure out. Because let's face it, in a sort of standard D&D game, you see a dwarf, you're like, oh, I know the drill. They're like mining, they're like Aeon, they have beards, men and the women. Oh, there's an elf, they'll probably be slightly haughty and up themselves. They live in forests, they're great with bows, they've got great hearing and eyesight. Oh, the, the harvelings are also slightly dodgy thieves, etc, etc. You know the drilling, we tend to click into sort of familiar modes of operation. And I do this just as much as anyone else. Whereas if your character is stood in a tavern bar and someone says, oh, a delegation of dwarves arrived and you look out of the, the window of the tavern and there are four creatures made of living basalt carrying a bejeweled chest between them each of them seeming to have metal inlaid and bolted directly into their skin and when they talk it's with the grinding of thousand year old rocks suddenly that seems much more interesting than your standard sort of dwarf that you would get in a pretty vanilla D&D game so that's just a few of my thoughts on the potential benefits of a humanocentric campaign. Have you ever run a campaign where the player characters were overwhelmingly human? How did that go for you? We'd love to hear how these things go in other people's games. If you'd like to get in touch, maybe be featured in a future episode, you can do so in a number of ways. You can drop us a voicemail message, either using Anchor or SpeakPipe, link in the descriptions below, or you can send us an email to rdrpgpodcast at gmail.com. And as I say, you might be featured in a future episode. If you've enjoyed this episode, please like, share and subscribe and all that good stuff. And hopefully we'll see you next time. Until then, take care, stay safe and whatever you're playing, have fun.